Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You're welcome back. And this show is brought to you by the Cadet Sponsorship of Bank of Africa. As strong as a group, group and close as a partner. MTN, everywhere you go. HIC University, educating ethical and entrepreneurial leaders for Africa. Robert and Sons Optical Services, your comprehensive eye care service provider for 31 years. Whaley Properties Home is where one starts. Duroplast, where Duroplast goes, water flows. Trasaco Fast Floors, stronger, faster, and affordable. Now, um, let's go to check out what is threatening um, on the Labour France. And we have heard Dr. Yaobin of the TUC speak about job crisis and on the strike. Alexander Obeng has been speaking about the neutrality allowance. Of course, many people are appalled at the justification for such an allowance. Let's listen to them quickly. I come to introduce my guest to you and we begin the discussion. But they insist that minimum wage ought to be pegged to the inflation rate. For servants, uh, we work closely with the government, as I've already indicated. And as you know, we all of us have the right to make a political participation according to our constitution, chapter five, we indict the freedom of forming association, freedom of movement, freedom of joining any political party of our choice. But uh, 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 according to the ethics of the work, we are banned from being what active politics, not even uh, assembly member. We cannot stand as a member. So Grossack went to Supreme Court for the interpretation of this neutrality, and the uh, Supreme Court affirmed that we cannot be part or be active politics. If that the case, uh, we submitted our grievances to government that if that what the government is saying, then you need to be compensated. Okay, so and from what our executive was saying, government has no plan of paying the, uh, the neutrality allowance any moment from now. So we had no other option to resume the strike. Yes, so that's why we call our members to reactivate the strike. So for now, or today, all the cross-up members are to stay home, not going back to the workplaces. We are on strike. The National Tripartite Committee has started the process towards determining the minimum wage for this year. For us, that is a do and die. We are going to make sure that minimum wage for workers for this year should not be below inflation. And this will be extended to public sector workers as well. So there's a battle ahead of us. And I can see organized labor is ready to fight. And we are going to do that. Strike is a very difficult thing to do. It's like war. So before we declare war on the employers, 
we have to make sure we have good reason. This time, we have the good reason to do it. Therefore, we caution that the employers must listen to us. And they should not just listen, they should also hear us. Because the workers of this country are suffering too much. So the job crisis, you know, predates, you know, Ukraine. The job crisis came before COVID. Therefore, we think that it is not right to blame COVID and Ukraine for every job crisis that we have in this country. That is not right. And we are not going to accept that. Right. So um, how is government going to be able to take care of the circumstances of the public um, or the labor front, so to speak, of labor in the current economic circumstances? We're joined by Dr. Kwabnanyako Otu, his chief economist and director, Labor Research and Policy Institute of the Trade Union Congress, TUC. Joining us also is Godfrey A. Bokping, professor of finance and economist at the University of Ghana. Dr. John Ampontia Kuma is MP at Jusso and deputy minister for finance here in the studio is Ambassador Sam P. Ali, National President, NDC Professionals Forum, and former Ambassador to India, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, and Maldives. Uh, thank you very much for making time to join us here in the studio. Thank you very much. Uh, and gentlemen who are joining us via Zoom, good morning, and thanks for joining us. Yes, good morning, Samson, and good morning to our cherished listeners. Right. Um, so, uh, Let's begin with the question of what uh, labor is demanding. It appears to be a very fair bargain that we need to be compensated using inflation as a yardstick. We shouldn't get anything below the inflation rates. What do you say to that? Yes, Professor Bokwin. Okay, all right, thank you very much. Um, I think these are challenging times uh, and, and labor is hit hard. I mean, the reality would, would lend to their support. Um, partly also because um, inflation has gone above even government's own targets in the 2022 budget. Uh, inflation currently has drifted away from even the upper band of the central bank's own targets of 8% with a symmetrical rate of 2%. In other words, the, the target bank from 6% to 10%. So, so um, the last inflation rate was 19.4%. Um, um, apart from that, you are also looking at this together with other developments within the economy. If you look at it, on the other hand, in terms of disposable income, if you look at um, other taxes that have been introduced, from 2021, you are looking at COVID levy, 1%, you are looking at sanitation levy. On top of that, we have introduced e-levy. So when you put all these things together, it's like there's no way of escape for, 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 for the ordinary Ghanaian. Mm. And particularly for, 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 for workers, or particularly those in the former wage economy where negotiations and all of that probably were tight in inflation at a certain time where it was even less than 10%. And, and, and four months or so into the, the, the fiscal year, inflation has drifted all the way to 19%. Uh, 
then it means uh, it, it gets very serious for them. What that presupposes is that the budget for January can no longer deliver the same value uh, uh, in March. Mm. Meanwhile, salary will, salary will not change necessarily. It even gets worse for those who are on pension, who are receiving a fixed uh, 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 pension, uh, whatever allowance at the end of every month and the rest of them. It's because they have no means of asking any adjustment or so to keep up with price development. And then if you look at the composition of the of the of the CPI, the drivers of the inflation, you realize that even if you decide to be very prudent with spending, you can't avoid <laughs> these um, um, adjustments of um, uh, yes changes in price that do have the value of your wages or salaries or your income. Uh, from from what you understand to be the um, inflation rate, basically what they are asking will then be what percentage increase in their um, remuneration or compensation? I think government will have to negotiate with labor. Um, you also have to look at what the, what the economy can afford. Uh, whether the government has the fiscal space to be able to load on all of that. So some kind of uh, negotiation, honesty, transparency, full disclosure, that says that we appreciate the challenges you are going through, mm. but this is what we are willing to do in these difficult times. This is the roadmap. That would be very helpful rather than just saying that, okay, let's strictly use the inflation uh, less than 19 point so percent and all that. But you're also looking at the outlook beyond this year that is, is likely to decelerate a bit and, and, and all of that. But if you also look at this, um, you see that though external factors are pushing some of these things, um, bulk of that is also a reflection of domestic policy failure. Uh, if you look at the fact that we have control over some of these things that we should be able to be self-sufficient in some of them, that we have not, and, and the fact that we then tend to blame Russia, Ukraine for everything. For example, if you look at Africa, um, Africa has almost 60% of the world's unused arable lands. But we are, we are net importer of food. In 2015, our net import for food alone was $35 billion, projected to reach $110 billion by 2025. That is unacceptable. Mm. That's unacceptable. So some kind of negotiation will be very, very important. And I think government will have to open that negotiation quite frankly and discuss. Then because what makes it a bit difficult for government right now is because of how they pressed the fiscal accelerator uh, in the COVID times. Okay, so the COVID spending took the deficit to a high level because we were just coming from one crisis or the other from energy crisis, financial sector crisis, then we walk straight into the pandemic. Okay, and all of these things are, are, are having a tool on our fiscal uh, strength, so we don't have the fiscal space, but of course, there could be some adjustment that government would want to do and engage with labor. Mm. That, that makes uh, labor funds a bit um, peaceful, which is needed for enhancing productivity. Other than that, if you choose not to do anything, People will go to work and pretend to work even uh, uh, in these difficult times. Let's let's see how Dr. Kobnayako to justifies this particular demand. Um, can we hear you?
Hello, Doc. I can hear you. Great. I can hear you now. Okay. How you do want you... me to just... Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, justify your demand. Uh, for inflation index wage. Exactly. But that, actually, that is the norm. It's the normal thing we do. Uh, that uh, when you go into a negotiation, the least you should get is to restore the value of your income. That may have been eaten away, so to speak, by rises in prices reflected in inflation data. Mm. But in this particular instance also, beyond inflation, we all know what happened in 2021, but also 2022. Uh, when we were negotiating for the 2022 um, um, base pay of 7%, inflation was around 9%. Today, inflation is above 19%. In the last two years, incomes, wage incomes have declined by about 30% in the last two years. Now, if you take the whole period that we have implemented single spine, wage income has actually declined by about, in real terms, 8%. So when you put all of that together, plus all the other things happening in the economy, labor is hard hit. And the least we can do is to just restore us to the level of RP that has been eroded by rising prices. That is the least. But if you want to reward us for hard work, for contributing to economic growth and all that, then you also have to even top it up with um, a standard of living allowance. You are not just restoring us to the level where we catch up with the inflation. You also give us a standard of living allowance. That is what we expect to happen uh, for 2023. Mm. And that negotiation is starting in 2022. You insist that you will accept nothing below the inflation rate. Um, yes. the, quest the question is, you, you are in the country, you have seen what is going on all over the world, and everybody must make some sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Yes, we have made huge sacrifice for the past two years. Cast your mind back 4% 2021, 7% 2022, and look at the inflation rate. What level of sacrifice do you want labor to make again? There's nothing. We've gotten to a point where labor cannot reproduce itself. And it's important that we, 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 we stop the slide. And that is, I mean, to access for any more sacrifice is to be unreasonable with labor. Mm. Okay, so um, hold on for me. Let me get to, uh, what do you say, Amzara um, Sampiali? What do you make of the demands from labor? And as I started initially, um, this, is, this is fair, isn't it? Well, Thompson, good morning. And uh, thank you all for and your viewers. I, I seriously agree the previous speakers you know because you are looking at demand and supply and the cost you know and remuneration how much does it cost the country if I, let me ask this question how much does it cost the country to govern this country this small country how much does it cost we pay the council of state we pay this we pay this to govern this small country but uh, fundamental bedrock 
of our, our production in the workers. How much does go to the workers? Is the question that we are dealing with now. Now, I'm told that the minimum wage is about 13.5 cities. And today, Samson, if you had a car and you were a worker staying at uh, Dansuman to Ministries, how many gallons are you going to use? I'd like you to use about one and a half gallons or two gallons to and from office. And how much is that going to cost you? So, a simple analysis of your expenditure will show that one third or two thirds of your salary on that day goes to petrol. And even sometimes it's more, go to petrol. You haven't spoken about other things. So I very much agree with TUC and uh, the, the man who just spoke that governments have to give workers their due. You know, after all, it is what you give to the workers that you tax them. So if you don't pay them or you don't get the tax revenue, you know, but over the last three years, I'm told, I've seen figures that say that oh, government has exceeded its tax revenue. When I was a union chairman in SNET, one of the issues we looked at was profitability, that the, the SNET has made profit, and therefore we should get something out of that. Mm. So if you have exceeded your tax revenue, then those of us who worked, you know, to give you those revenues and other things have to take out you. So I very much agree with the call by the TUC. You know, my worry is about the fact that um, government appeared to say that they don't have the money all the time when it comes to negotiations. But the workers also look at so many other factors apart from just the salary. They look at lifestyles of government. They look at government expenditure. They look at so many things before, before they make such demands. Mm. Because the minister's wife go to the market, the laborers' wife also go to the market, and all of them have to take certain, uh, something home. The tomato seller will not say that because you're a laborer, I've reduced the tomato for you. You know, so this is a quagma. We, we, we are in a situation where we don't know who's, who has the right to demand what, but I think that the workers have the, have the right to demand what they are demanding. Mm. Um, and then we will we will tie in shortly the issue of the um, the clock sack. Uh, yes, that is uh, you know insisting on its uh, neutrality allowance. And I'm going to show you something briefly. If you thought that some of these people are just being um, unfair in their demands. Some of them have an idea what happens. And as some PLA mentioned Council of State and the rest of them. You forget about those people. If you look at the state-owned enterprises mm. and how maybe their managers or CEOs are paid, paid. Um, their deputies, their allowances, and everything that they take, uh, sometimes you come to appreciate why they, they fight tooth and nail, some will even kill to be in those um, positions um, and the struggle within the political parties to be giving some of these offices, you get to understand. So let me give you an idea. In one of these institutions, uh, the top management, they had what you call uh, holiday facility.
So if you want to have a holiday, um, they will give you, for internal holiday, they will give you not more than um, six persons and not more than three rooms and five nights per year. So for a year, this is some sort of allowance you have. You can take your friends or your family and go and have a holiday, whether in Ghana or anywhere. And that is different from your annual leave. And when you are going on leave, you will also get an allowance for uh, that. You have um, retirement package. And they calculate that at 12% gross monthly salary, which is to be set aside by the employer and then what the employee will do in addition for you. They have what they call the parting gifts. <laughs> you get one lap, one top of the range multimedia laptop computer of your choice and accessories. If you have been at post for less than two calendar years, you get an additional gift valued at 50% of one man's gross salary. Um, if you have been at post for two to four years, you get an additional gift valued at one month's gross salary. Um, if you have been at post for above four years, you get an additional gift valued at two months gross salary. Then the official saloon vehicle that you may have been using, you will get it. Uh, they talk about a right to procure it at a discount of 50%. Um, you have end of service benefit. You get four months gross salary at point of disengagement for every calendar year work. You have the benefit of a housing loan, a housing loan of about uh, 6,000 Ghana CDs. You have a home enhancement loan of about 2,000 Ghana CDs. You have foreign travel per diem of 1,500 US dollars. Um, your salary increase is supposed to be at 20%. Then, and I'm talking about this condition of service being not recent. So this has actually improved, will be far better than now. Uh, for some good reason, I'm not making too many disclosures. Uh, there are medical benefits. Um, the medical care is provided for the person and their spouse and children of up to 21 uh, years onwards. Uh, they also are entitled to mandatory full medical examination once a year. And you know how some of these things are done. Yearly medical checkup, they can get it abroad. Often that's where they get it. Medical facility on retirement, they provide it with free medical care for the person and their spouse, children up to 21 years whilst on retirement. So when you are retiring, there's actually nothing to worry about. You have even replacement of your lens if you are a user of uh, spectacles. There's an allowance for that. You get a thousand CDs, uh, that's yearly. 
uh, out of staging allowance, accommodation and meals will be provided for you. Inconvenience allowance. If you think it is only Cocoa Board that they take inconvenience allowance and <laughs> there's complaint about it, well, they get inconvenience allowance, 500, uh, 500 Ghana cities per day. 500 Ghana cities per day as inconvenience allowance. Funeral grants and donations. Uh, how you are entitled. There is special allowance also. Household allowance to be paid based on minimum, you know, uh, your minimum SNIT sort of salary. Then uh, you have utility subsidy. You have responsibility allowance, which is about 1,500 Ghana cities per month. You have entertainment allowance, entertainment allowance, 1,500 cities per month. You have satellite TV, connection monthly <coughs> subscription. So if you use DSTV, you don't pay it on your own. It is paid for you, 500 Ghana cities per month. Um, so it's a long list, and I have done like just half of what one person is entitled as their, uh, let me read just a few more. Apart from maintenance, they have uh, uh, management furnishing. They have security guard uh, entitled to two, two nights and one day. So you have two night security you have one day security, you have a vehicle, you get official vehicle, you have a vehicle loan option for you, you have executive salon car to use, you have repayment of cost of vehicle loan, um, there's a provision of a driver, and all sorts of things, clothing allowance, amongst many others. And so in 20, uh, 16 in 2015 you would have heard that some people are taking as much as 80,000 plus just for salary and the allowances don't even come in yet so people within the civil service sometimes this is what influences them you know John what do you say Good morning, something. Morning, my friend. Uh, good morning to um, your cherished uh, viewers and listeners and uh, seniors in the studio. Um, yes, uh, obviously, this is a very thorny topic. And um, uh, let me acknowledge that workers in Ghana have played a very crucial role in bringing our country to the levels and stage that we find ourselves. And we, as government, we are very appreciative of the role of workers. And uh, we'll continue to do our best to improve the conditions of uh, salaries and, and, and uh, benefits of workers in Ghana. Um, the good book has said that the laborer is worth his wages. So whatever we can all do to make the Ghanaian worker, a happier worker, is also an objective of government. So let me put it that, uh, that way. Except that uh, the reality too is that sometimes 
the available resources uh, do not allow government to push to the levels that uh, workers may expect government to be able to do. And let me just react to a few things. Uh, in 2020, we all know the COVID situation that came, but government kept faith with public workers and did not uh, lay off even a single worker, even though we almost had zero productivity in that year. I mean, the entire economy grew by 0.4%. So we all know what we went through as a country. We were not alone. We know the global situation that COVID really sunk every economy into. Then in 2021, of course, we were just coming out of the COVID situation. So government pleaded with workers to also reciprocate uh, the good uh, faith that government showed in 2020. Then we agreed on 4% increment in the uh, salaries and compensations of workers. And then also in 2022, we did about 8% for workers. So uh, the demand for TUC that uh, they are not going to accept anything below the inflationary rate is clearly a legitimate uh, claim to, to make as a starter or as an announcement towards any possible negotiation for possible increment of uh, uh, worker salaries in the country. So uh, that's a legitimate claim to make. I said that, uh, as we all know, uh, we will all have to uh, understand the reality of what we are confronted with and see what we can do. Uh, something, the, the, and I heard one of the contributors talking about uh, Ghana achieving revenue targets last year, like 2021, year uh, even exceeded the 57 billion target and did 57.2 billion. But the fact is that 30 billion of all that was collected in 2021, uh, which is about 52.6% went into compensation or payment of uh, worker salary. Um, so if you are collecting 57 and you are giving 30 billion to workers, what is left, which is about the 27 billion, is what must take care of all other commitments of government. We are talking about interest payments and amortization, which government cannot do anything about. We, we, we have to commit to pay them. We are talking about statutory payments, which government has to pay. We are talking about government flagship programs. We are talking about KPES infrastructure and all kinds of other obligations that the government will have to handle. So it's not like government is insensitive. If you look at what is available, and I had Article 71 orders, uh, something, if you check the percentage of Article 71 holders on the compensation basket is 0.05. Something I don't know if I'm alive. But I, I had I had I had that. What's the point? What's the point of that? What's the point 0. of that? 0.05%. Yeah, what's the, what's the point of that? What is the the point? Yes, the point is that the even though people have uh, pointed to Article 71 holders 
as a group of people privileged or specially treated uh, in terms of the uh, revenue arrangements, uh, in terms of compensation arrangement of the country. What I'm trying to say is that the component of the total uh, uh, compensation bracket is not much. It's not so much. In terms of the percentage of what goes to Article 71 holders. People are retiring, so, people are retiring on their salaries. Uh, it's as if you are working for life. Yes. You are getting paid for life until you are dead. You are getting you you it's like you don't you don't see any struggle. And and I just I just read to you. I, I just I just a second, John. Just a second, John. Okay. I just read to you. So if I'm a worker, no, I'll get and that one. If I'm a worker and I'm in a situation where I, I listed I a number I of I'm coming, I listed a number of items, but let me just take let me just take eight of those items I listed to you for one director general's enjoyment. He has a vehicle maintenance allowance per month of six hundred thousand per month. Um, and that was increased in twenty seventeen um, to What's the amount? It's even confusing me. Clothing allowance. Someone gets uh, 10,000 per year for the clothing allowance. Entertainment allowance. They get 1,500 per month. Household allowance. They get some monthly uh, uh, money, which is uh, calculated in a way I'm yet to figure out, uh, subject to their salary. They get utility subsidy. They get, that's monthly, for their monthly bills. They get responsibility allowance. That's about 1,500 per month. They get satellite TV subscription. They, it's paid for. And this is before their salary. So if you use somebody like that to tell me that what they are paid is not so much when we take the, the whole basket of compensation, uh, I think that will not be fair. Well, I wasn't responding to that, so I wish you had waited and listened to me. So I am not responding to uh, the fairness or unfairness of what anybody gets. I'm talking about the components of compensation. I'll get to that one. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously, if you look at the salary structure of the country, we, 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 we all as a country have gotten to a point where we have to see reforms and the details of how this 30 billion cities we are talking about is even dispersed, who guess what? Because we are talking about only 700,000 people of our country, out of the 31 million population, or 30.5 million uh, number of the population. 700,000 of us are getting 30 billion, which is, we are told, is woefully inadequate in terms of specifics when you want to go into categories of the unions and each worker and what they get. So who gets what? And 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 this is where I now want to respond to uh, the SOEs, remunerations, the 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 terms and conditions of certain office holders of our country and what we can all do to achieve fairness. Yeah, when you First when you speak all, to uh, uh, John, I brought that in because when you speak to these workers, they give you clues. They are actually these are the workers that process these salaries and allowances, and they give you clues as to 
the inequality, the yawning gap, the disparity, the almost criminal disparity in the compensation system. Yeah, but that's what I have stated, that it calls for reforms and rationalization of the compensation structure. And, and even beyond that, I mean, how fair is it that 700,000 of our people are getting over 52% of all revenues that we collect in the country? What happens to the rest of the population? So this argument has to be looked at. Can I come in on this question? Um, is, that, is, that, is that Ben? No, Kabnaudu uh, from. Yes, Kabnaudu, thank you. Yes, let's hear you. I want to respond specifically on this question of right. 300,000 people taking 52% um, uh, of our revenues. Uh, Honorable, I think we need to properly situate this in, in a proper context. These 700,000 people are the ones that are providing all the education this country is providing. They are the ones that are providing all the health that we so eloquently mentioned in our budget. They are the ones that are making sure that the lights are on. They are the ones that are making sure that we have water in our, in our, in our homes. They are the ones that are making sure that the security in this country, the police officers, the immigration officers, and the fire service. So a better formulation would be that this, the cost of providing this education, the cost of providing this health, the cost of making sure that there's security in this country is the 52% of revenue. Rather than to think that uh, those uh, 700,000 people are receiving something that appears undeserving. And you, you also well, something, can I come back? Because I thought he was making a brief intervention. Um, okay, so I think his point is made. Yes, John, can we hear? Yes, except that uh, I don't agree with the position he took. Something, you are not part of the 700,000. Are you not part of this nation building? There are several people in the private sector who are opening schools, health, centers and hospitals providing security they are all part of the nation building do you know the cost do you know the cost uh, or those do you know the cost to the something if you could manage this so that we can all the employers in the private contribute okay so this is not to take away you know i started by commending the role of workers in our country but we all, if we have to discuss this matter, let's be as objective as we can. I know it's a very thorny issue. And once we want to discuss it, let's just as much as we are not happy with a certain group within the 700,000 who are unfairly being treated among others, let's also look at the bigger picture of the entire country and how best we can rationalize compensation issues in Ghana and then achieve some acceptable uh, uh, levels that the population, uh, workers and government and everybody will be happy. Because as, as it stands now, uh, clearly there, there's a challenge, there's a problem. And how do we handle this problem in the face of the difficulties that we find ourselves? So nobody has said that workers don't deserve more, but we are saying that what is available is what can be shared for everybody. And already what we are sharing, uh, it's way, 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 way above what is even available, looking at other commitments that we all have to achieve. 
look, when it comes to remuneration, something, all the things you listed, especially for CEOs and boards of some SOEs, I think that some of them are unconscionable because the number one CEO of our country is Mr. President. <laughs> the president, I'm not sure there's any CEO in Ghana whose uh, job requirement is more intensive than the president. And yet some of them, if you look at what they are getting, Mr. President is not getting beyond 25,000. We all know the salary of the president. So when you compare that to a CEO, of uh, an institution which the president has appointed. Yeah, yes, yes, but Doctor 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 Kumar, you you don't want to you don't want to invite debate. When you say the president earns uh, twenty thousand monthly, we know that that's that's really nothing. We know that what the president gets is not twenty thousand monthly. If you are no, quoting his salary, that's a different with issue. Basic salary. No, I'm not talking about allowances. Okay. Yeah, yes, but, but but you see, you see, those are the things. Those are the things that pushing uh, the people that they don't even have to ask for more, because Precisely. their allowances alone is far more than what they earn as salary. And do I have to get any discussions that calls for uh, reforming or relooking at how? Things the status quo is at the moment because the status quo is not acceptable even to government. Mm. Because I've just told you that we are spending too much and not even achieving the productivity that we are looking for. You get it. So we are all in the same homepage. There are issues to be addressed. But all I'm saying is that let's address these issues objectively, acknowledging each other's position and knowing how best we can all further the discussions to achieve positive reforms for a country that uh, everybody will be happy with. Mm. So that would be my take. Thank okay, you. thank you. Um, you wanted to make an intervention, uh, Professor Bokwing. I think you should come in. What do you want to say? Yes, um, if you look at the, the salary structure, how for top end, uh, how for top end we have managed to to disclose something to the public, if you say just salary, you just put that naked. But we hide so many things that arrive with it that the public may not know. Mm. We never mentioned the inconvenience allowance. Mm. Yes, which the ordinary worker perhaps doesn't get. And, and Prof, Prof, help me, and, and I'll, I'll let uh, uh, Dr. Tu also assist me a bit. What, what what do you, what do you mean when you say inconvenience allowance? The person is taking all sorts of allowances, getting a salary at the end of the month for performing the job that they have been employed, and yet they are paid an inconvenience allowance. What what does that mean? Um, uh, probably maybe out of out of office, maybe work that takes him to a place that ordinarily um, takes him out of his comfort zone or something. But this is also defined depending on the, the negotiation. But I think um, in the public sector, it's almost um, um, <laughs> known. And, and sometimes the reason uh, people choose to have meetings at certain places so they can check the box for some of these things. Um, but I think overall, um, the point that ought to be made is the level of uh, disparity 
And, and the fact that uh, some people do know, even within the public sector, how much others are taking and, and all of that. But I think sometimes to the basis of the comparison and the justification makes it look like um, the ordinary Ghanaian is taking too much. If you say uh, more than 50% of what we generate goes to um, workers, and all of that but i mean we are we are talking about individuals here mm. uh, we are talking about life we are talking about what the ordinary Ghanaian is left with at the end of the day we are talking about the fact that when fuel price goes up probably for certain occupational groups they are cushioned because they get a coupon for coupon or whatever but the ordinary Ghanaian doesn't get that mm. um we are also looking at it within the context that um uh, this may sound that much in percentages, but it's just because the country is not generating enough um, tax revenue, and that may not be the fault of the ordinary Ghanaian. Mm. Okay. If seventy-five percent, you see, let me let me. Uh, the, we have the engineer, engineer Ben Arthur, who is the CEO of the Fair Wages Commission, Fair Wages and Salaries Commission. Uh, joining us. Uh, let me engage him briefly. Uh, thank you for joining us, sir. Yeah, thank you for having me and uh, good morning to all our cherished viewers. Right. Right. So um, the TUC says they are, they are you know, uh, wage negotiation, they will not accept anything below the, the inflation rate. And then we're having a discussion that's uh, looking at the inequalities in the compensation system. Of course, um, uh, John mentioned Article 71 office holders, including the president. And the president, by the way, doesn't earn uh, 20,000 as a salary. His salary now is uh, about 50,000. That's 47,000 or so as, as his salary per month. But that's not what we are looking at. Um, the The other example that I used, which I need you to help us understand, how, how do you explain such inequality? And these workers, when they are making their demands, they clearly have a sight of some of these things that go on. So that if a, a CEO of, uh, of uh, an SOE, a state-owned organization that the worker is working for, maybe they are even at a certain management level, and they know that their boss, the, the, what he takes for his DSTV alone is more than what they get as a salary. Uh, what he takes as inconvenience allowance per day, perhaps it's almost what he takes as his total salary. What he takes as fuel subsidy, vehicle maintenance, and the rest of them, and they are, someone is taking 10,000, you know, for clothing. They see all of these things. So when they are making the demands, we, we should also treat them bearing in mind these inequalities, not so. Thank you very much. Uh, de definitely, they uh, are on point as far as workers are concerned and what they look out to and what they look out for. But uh, I must admit that the uh, government has already recognized some of these disparities and has taken steps 
to correct them, uh, if Dr. Otu uh, and other uh, contributors will attest to that, government has already agreed to set up a technical committee at the National Tripartite Committee level to review the single spine pay policy. And that was uh, an agreement culminating from the National Labor Conference, which uh, government, or government uh, together with organized labor and employers association organized. So that is one of the outcomes. And government has honored its promise by setting up the committee. So uh, I think on 26, God willing, the committee will be made public to address some of these disparities. Uh, when it comes to the uh, SOEs, that is the state-owned enterprises, uh, Fair Wages is currently collaborating with SIGA uh, and uh, Ministry of Public Enterprises to also streamline some of these uh, disparities. And in fact, across the SOEs, there are some also disparities even across them. So uh, Fair Wages, uh, together with the other parties that I have mentioned, are taking steps to ensure that these disparities are corrected. I must also admit that uh, some of these things have existed for quite a very long time. So uh, we have a lot of clauses. You are a lawyer that uh, you must also be sure that you don't make anybody worse off. But these things must be done with a lot of circumstances. But I understand and appreciate the disparities, especially between uh, CEOs and their directors and the other workers, disparities in the public sector as to the public service and those who are you know, working in the SOEs. We must also admit the fact that the SOEs have uh, been set up largely by Companies Act that enables their board and other authorizing people to also negotiate and do some other kind of uh, compensation negotiations. But of course, fair wages law is also there to ensure that we are able to coordinate, manage uh, collective bargaining processes. So the steps are being taken and I'm very positive about it that in the coming months, uh, things will be streamlined. Mm. Uh, Dr. Bob, what thing of the, of the uh, TUC, when he was talking about uh, this situation, uh, spoke to us about, you know, having been arguing over this in the past 30 years, here we are again, we are talking prospective. Um, I remember very clearly when the finance minister spoke about these inequalities initially for the uh, CEOs of the of the SOEs spoke about how unconscionable it was and they needed to be dead, to be worked on. They finished the whole four-year term and nothing happened. You, you are still telling us now about collaborating with them and working on these. So the workers down there, they don't, they don't see that you, this is actually serious, that the duty bearers are serious about this. It's just lip service. Well, thank you. Uh, that would be unkind. Uh, some to say it's just a lip service. Uh, I sit at fair wages, knowing very well that especially the newly appointed ones, uh, whom uh, Public Services Commission forward their appointment letters and ask for advice on their terms and conditions. We have tried as much as possible to be harmonizing 
uh, possibly is the old positions that may have this. So a lot of steps have been taken, but because maybe it is not in the public domain, it will be very difficult for you sitting there as a host to immediately appreciate. I think we need another time to re-engage on this matter comprehensively. Mm. But a lot being done, if you get in contact with any of the new CEOs, you will realize that it has not been easy at all, especially when they have known that in previous times, there were some entitlement and that at this point in time, fair wages uh, had curtailed a lot of them in advice to government. So a lot is being done, but I must also agree that a lot more must be done. Yeah, so from where you sit at the Fair Wages and Salaries Commission, the TUC General Secretary, uh, Dr. Anthony Yaoban, says that they will not accept anything below the inflation rate, and that ought to be fair. What do you say? Well, uh, the first thing I will say is to greet him <laughs> and all his constituents, and not only him, uh, organized labor entirely, especially all public sector workers. It is challenging, I must admit, for government as far as ability to pay is concerned. Let's be, let's be very open to the fact. And when it comes to negotiation, whether it is the base pay or minimum wage, the, the key mechanism that in this country we have adopted for fixing wages is not government throwing figures at organized labor that whether you like it or not, take it. Neither is organized labor throwing figures at government to say that, take it, and if you don't take it, we are not going to cooperate. It is an act of negotiation, and we must all expect that. Definitely, we trade something for something. But let me, for purposes of education, mention some key elements that we all consider. Uh, one of them is the ability to pay. If an employer has not got the ability to pay, you might go to court, you might do many other things. That ability to pay is a very key consideration. And not only that, the minimum wage, for example, is used as a mechanism to achieve many other things. For example, it is used to alleviate poverty. So we'll be looking at poverty levels, uh, what is the minimum wage floor. We'll be looking at cost of living, of course, as they have mentioned. And you must also be very, uh, very sensitive to the mm -hmm. private sector, that you also don't fix uh, wages at such a high level to the extent that the private sector will not be able to create jobs and hire others. Okay. So we have a uh, quickly before we go to this uh, neutrality allowance thing, um, you you spoke of a, a, a committee. Which committee uh, is this? As my appeal to organized labor, uh, that yes, we really appreciate the the times in which we find ourselves. Mm. Uh, uh, cooperation is needed, and I'm sure when we get to the table to negotiate, they will be able to consider all these things. Yeah, I, I asked the question that you you refer to a certain committee that is doing some work. Which committee is this? Uh, that is the uh, technical committee for the review of the single spine pay policy. Okay. So this is this this, this is this working you know, in conjunction with the tripartite committee, or what is that? It's, it's a committee set up by the National Tripartite Committee. Okay. Okay. And when we say National Tripartite Committee, it is a committee that is made up of 
uh, equal representation from government, from organized labor, from employers association, and the sector minister is the chair. Okay. Now, the, uh, Dr. Kobra Yanko Otu, what do you have to say, having listened um, across the board and also to the Deputy Minister, Dr. Uh, Kuma? Uh, thank you one second. I, I think that we need to put the issues in proper perspective. You have a public sector where the average wage today is about 1,800 Ghana and about 50% of people on that public sector pay structure are earning below the average. Hmm. And we know this country, how prices are, all the basic things. So, for example, in our program this week, we show that it is not only government that has a budget. If you take the one time and buy basic foods, uh, housing, electricity, utility, and all the things, we are talking about a deficit of over 100% for households and workers compared to a deficit of some 11% for government. Mm. That has to be great. That's the first issue. The absolute level of pay in Ghana is so low that, as I said, it doesn't allow labor to reproduce itself. The second is the inequities. Probably, I mean, your figures you mentioned are outdated figures. There are CEOs whose rent allowance is more than the highest paid person. It's about three times the pay or the highest paid person on the single spine. That's, a, that's about how much? There are CEOs that are taking rent allowance of about 18000 uh, 25000 a month, not a year. You, you, you are serious about this? This is true? Okay, I'm serious. I, I, my, the work I do is to look at employment and wages. They are around, and you see, the fair wages man just says that uh, they are collaborating and they are trying to streamline. The Fair Wages Act, the last of the functions of the fair wages, is to negotiate pay in the public sector where public funds are being used. You can check the law. So it ought not to be a situation where you collaborate. They have to take over the negotiations of the public sector SOEs to make sure that they don't give themselves these high um, increases. In 2021, when workers had 4%, that's some of them gave themselves 35%. This is unconscionable. And then the, you, you, the other third issue relating to pay is the trends. I have made the point that in the last two years, wages or wage income has declined by about 30%. Mm. That decline is a figure I'm mentioning. But it actually translates into hardships for a lot of people, real difficulties for workers that you cannot expect them to be productive if they have suffered such a huge decline. Yes, yes, but uh, uh, until and unless there is this, uh, if you call it, a proper way to rationalize the salaries and remove the disparities, as uh, Dr. Uh, Yaban also request, for now, what you are demanding in the circumstances, current circumstances, you must be willing, you know, to make concessions. You don't agree? So we are demanding that at least we get the inflation rate. And you see, something, 
that inflation rate will come to say 20%. But I'm telling you that already in 2022, these SOEs using public funds got more than 20%. Mm. If their pay is already high and they are getting higher increases, what it means is that we are further widening the gap. Check the 2019 media review of the budget, in which the finance minister stated that from henceforth, given the disparities between single spine and the rest of the public sector, those on the single spine will get higher increases compared to those in the other public sector. Mm. But the opposite is what we have been seeing. Interesting. I have made a point that labor has really sacrificed in the last two years. And to ask for further sacrifice is being unfair to labor. Okay. Um, uh, I think uh, Dr. John Kuma should have the last word on this. And then I bring in the questioning of the neutrality allowance. Uh, it's difficult for me to mention that, I tell you. Uh, yes, uh, John, what do you have to say? Uh, yes, uh, I, I, I agree with the contributions from the panel, uh, especially from Dr. Benata when he says that we all have to continue to uh, negotiate. And, and But of course, on the negotiation table, you can start from the top <laughs> with the hope that uh, you are able to ground your uh, arguments convincingly somewhere in the middle or down that is acceptable. Um, I want uh, um, organized labor and everybody involved in this to understand that government is not against any opportunity that will improve their working conditions, except that we will always want to benchmark that with what is possible and available. We want to continue to talk and engage until we achieve that equilibrium. And of course, let the discussion go on on how best we can create more equity in the compensation space. In fact, I agree that there's so much inequities and uh, unparalleled, uh, uncomparable conditions that we have to really rationalize for everybody. 50% mm. of uh, the labor force of this country is earning less than the average of 1,500 each month. Uh, fair wages commission. When I spoke about, sorry, uh, when I spoke about, yeah, we are spending thirty billion every year. Who are those receiving this thirty billion? What can we do to make sure it's more equitable? Mm. And sometimes the problem may not even be the available resources, but how they are distributed. Okay. So if we can have a more reform approach to this whole problem, and look at the structure and the details of who get what. Uh, that's why I started by even citing Article 71, whose, uh, 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 let me say, payment package has been blown out there beyond certain uh, imaginations. But if you look at the component, the component of that in the total compensation bill, it's just about 0.05%. So that could not be the reason why somebody who deserves more is not getting. So let's look at how okay. we can fairly distribute the compensation package right. to all workers. Let's, let's quickly touch on this. Um, the civil service and local government uh, workers, they are crying of bad faith on the part of government that this is something that was agreed, the neutrality allowance, which is supposed to be 20% of their salary, 
And since the agreement to pay, they say it was noted that the neutrality allowance has not been effected as agreed in spite of official reminders and follow-ups to the Ministry of Finance and Economic Planning. The National Executive Council therefore decided that Clocksack should embark on an industrial action to press home its demand for the implementation of the MOU, end quote. That's a statement they issued and gave that warning. And the strike uh, is supposed to have started on Thursday. Yes, John. Yeah. Oh, something. Why, 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 why are you not paying them what was agreed? Is it because now you are having the public, you know, uh, speak against this neutrality allowance? No. Um, two key issues for considerations on this matter, Samson. The first one has to do with the name neutrality allowance. That uh, I think that if we don't put it in perspective, we will struggle over form. Over, uh, we, we, we will be talking much about form over substance. Uh, in fact, the closer to be fair to closer, this negotiation started since 2019 and it took ended in 2020 early part of 2021 2022 i think the agreement was signed in january uh, with effective date of february so this is about two years of engagement led by the senior presidential advisor uh, uh, fair wages commission and the, and the sector minister as well as ministry of finance so we have been part of these processes all uh, all, all this while prosac did not come on the negotiation table with neutrality allowance. They came with all kinds of demands and allowances which they justified, they justified. And it could, in fact, if government accepted those ones, that could triple what they were getting at the moment. So government and the negotiation team sought to, uh, came to the conclusion that, in fact, CrossHack is the lowest paid group on the, on the single spine uh, structure. This is something ought to be done for them. But in doing something for them, you don't want to create a situation where once you do something for one group, <laughs> when you are negotiating with one, remember that all the other groups are sitting and watching. So once you do something that they can also tap in, then you open the floodgates and there will not be enough resources to pay. So I believe it is the reason why in trying to couch a term that they thought at the time could limit could be limited to only a crosser came up with the word neutrality allowance. It is not something that uh, crosser uh, actually uh, demanded. It was a term, and so now that uh, of course the team have met again, looking at the public uh, position on such a word called neutrality allowance, and I believe that going forward we may have to really look at the word neutrality. Are you shying? Are you shying away from the word because of the public backlash? On on, on the word neutrality, yeah. we will lose the substance, which is the agreement the committee has that something has to be done. Mm. It is what name you give to what should be done, and if the name you are using is creating problems, really look at it, so that you don't generate any unnecessary controversy. But that's what I'm saying. Let's not focus on the 
form mm. over the substance. The substance is that okay. the committee led by government and CLOSAC and everything have signed an MOU that something has to be done. And government is committed to respecting that agreement. Mm. And so going forward, we'll look at that. The reason why uh, on the part of government uh, was that, in fact, uh, two key issues. First of all, the date of the signing was in January. And budget for 2022 was read in November. Unfortunately, some way, somehow, it, it missed the consideration stage of the And so even though we have government has signed comments in February, there is no budget item for it uh, for 2022. So that's one of the number one difficulty. Number two difficulty is that we have the 2022 has become an exceptionally difficult year for government where even program expenditures of government are going to be cut by 30 percent this is the already program one going to be cut by 30 percent which even many people have said is even impossible to do and uh, mou or engagement which you are committed to to uh, also compensate the cross-site uh, allowance request. So this is where we are. And, and so we have re-engaged cross-site and we believe that looking at where we are, uh, the, 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 the team, the committee has been talking throughout the week, I've been part of it. Uh, Dr. Benata has been part of it, the sector minister and right. cross leadership. I right. strongly believe we'll come to an amicable settlement of this matter very soon. All right. Uh, let's hear. Let's hear from. Let's hear from uh, Dr. Bokping. Um how, how do you understand this particular issue? And again, having listened to the Deputy Minister on it, uh, Klosak had issued a statement, and it said notice of intention to proceed on strike due to non-implementation of neutrality allowance. And then they warned that despite the agreement the MOU being signed in January, um, they have sent reminders and nothing is happening. In that regard, they were going to begin a strike from the 21st of April. I agree to some extent and the input from the Deputy Minister because um, there's a general acknowledgement that people are, what people are taking is just not enough. The way to prop that up without distorting the base pay and cause agitations across different occupational groups, then we tend to use certain names or descriptions so to, to, to set them apart from the others. But whatever name or form that it takes, what Labour is looking for is that they, 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 they are cushioned. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not too happy that government going into the negotiation sign an MOU with the understanding that it wasn't in the budget. But I believe that the budget preparation started way back last year. Mm. Presentation was made last year. And if my understanding is that negotiation um, was concluded early part of this year and government signed, and government signed with the knowledge that there was no budget line for it. I'm saying this because we need to do all these things to, to build trust between labor 
and then government so that when labor is going to negotiate with government and is even making concessions then they are certain that even when it is signed and it's even small it's going to come and that there will not be another explanation you know what we didn't budget for this and all of that we, we need to do this together in such a way that it creates trust and all of that um i think uh, i also agree that the, the timing and and because of the rising inflation it, it makes um the situation a bit difficult for even those at the lower end of the salary structure and 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 therefore whether is you call it neutrality you call it non-neutrality or whatever i'm not too sure they care that much i think what what they are they they are looking for is that something ought to be done given rising inflation taxes and, and all of that there is and public there's public outrage and clearly it has influenced the subsequent reactions from even members of closac themselves and the government otherwise earlier there was no question about what the allowance was neutrality allowance and they've they have continued to justify that it is being paid so that they get cushioned for the privilege that they don't have to participate in partisan activities. Yes, but for the, as we discussed earlier, um, some of these government appointees get all kinds of allowances that um, uh, uh, probably, if we look at it, the ordinary worker may be entitled to some of them, but probably we don't want to put them in the same category and all of that. And that is why I'm saying that the fact that we focus so much on the word neutrality without looking at the underlying issues, for me, is a bit concerning. Mm. And, and that is where I think we need to sympathize. But, but, but isn't it important? Here. Isn't it important that the public is outraged that their tax money is going to be used to pay people for what they they have signed on to do already if you are signing on to be in this civil service it is a constitutional injunction on you they also have their their manual yes. their, their hr manual that prohibits them from engaging in partisan political activity and they are yes. saying yeah. that mm -hmm. they ought to be paid and compensated for restraining themselves from doing such things. The outrage is that how on earth will anybody sit in a meeting and agree to pay people such an allowance? Yeah, something. In fact, initially when I heard that, I was like, wow, what is this? But you know, you need to lift the veil. The public wasn't part of the negotiation because um, as we are told from the deputy minister, um, it wasn't part of the things they were demanding um, in terms of what they put on the table. Um, I, I, I'm sure from the Deputy Minister's point, it came from government that let's find, let's use this description rather. Maybe, so So to that extent, I think we need to understand because there are a lot of things that went on in the course of negotiation that maybe the public wasn't privy to and all of that. And that is why I'm saying that, fine, but let's look at the reality on the ground so that we do not major on the minor in this particular instance that 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 what they are taking and the fact that what they came to the negotiation table and all of that 
this was what probably uh, was agreed and all of that. We may not be mm. too comfortable with that, but an MOU has been signed, an agreement has been uh, has been reached and all of that. Mm. I think we, we, we need to find some quick way of addressing that because, mm. look, something, what we are talking about here has a broader macro-level effect on the country. Because salary levels are low, taxes are very high, particularly in direct tax handles and all of that, it's very difficult for the average Ghanaian worker to save and accumulate capital for something meaningful in this economy. These ordinary workers we are talking about, when they go on retirement, they retire on the strength of the law. Their pension is so small, but many of these government appointees we've, 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 we've talked about retire on their salary with so many things and all of that. And, and you know, a couple of years ago, when we talked about this single spine, the understanding was that it was going to resolve all of this. But here we are today. So we are talking about a technical committee. We are talking about all of that. Fine, medium to long term and all of that. But in the, in the immediate, and now, 2022, I think something has to be done uh, 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 in order to cushion uh, 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 labor and some kind of negotiation for the, for the medium to the long term okay. we have to approach appropriately. The reason this has become a topic for discussion is the name for the allowance, neutrality allowance. And some are now asking whether we should be paying judges to uh, such an allowance, paying teachers and whoever they are, what sort of an allowance. So the question has been about the wisdom in whoever agreed to make such a payment. Well, Samson, the whole discussion this morning is to see how we can make organized labor happy with the negotiations that are forthcoming. Not so. I'm wondering why, whether we've been able to resolve it. You gave us a litany of allowances, very unquestionable allowances being enjoyed by some people. We are not talking about ability to pay on that side. We are not talking about technical committee on that side. We are talking about ability to pay technical committee and others for the ordinary worker who is on minimum wage of 13 CDs, 50 pesos. That's where the problem is. Because the, the, the single spine, like uh, the Deputy Minister was saying, was to have rationalized all this so that there will be equal balance in the salary structure. But now it is tilted so much to the side of the big man. Somebody would work, have worked for about 60, uh, 40 years, 45 years. He goes home without pension. Somebody does four years in parliament. How much does it take? For a country of 30, 30 million, we are 30, 30 million, we, we have 13 Supreme Court judges. 13 Supreme Court judges for uh, 30 million people, all of whom will be retiring on their salaries and allowances. These are the issues we should be constructively be looking at to reduce the wage budget. I am not too sure it is fair for the deputy minister to say oh, only 700,000 people are taking uh, that much. The 700,000 people are the ones that have brought this economy where it is now. What about those hangers on? Those who are just hanging on? There are some people whose duty is just monitoring social media and they're taking huge sums of money. 
we, 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 we as a country agree that from 606 presidential staffers, we should go to about 1,009 plus. And all these 1,009 plus, we are buying land cruisers and other, other things for them. If we cut down on certain expenditure in this country, we will be able to look at the workers properly. Yeah, but, but it is incorrect to suggest that all the appointees under the presidency have land cruises and so on. Some of them are, are just your ordinary civil servants who must do the very basic Samson, civil service work. Something you and I know mm. that every government appointee in this country has a land cruiser or something close to a land cruiser. But the category of people that you spoke about, we know that a good number of that category is actually civil service people or public service people. I am talking about government appointees, yes. not the civil servants. No, I'm talking about the incorrectness of your statement that all these thousand plus appointees within the uh, presidency yes. We are buying land cruises for. Samson, even in addition to that, go to the ministries and look at what the chief directors and the top echelon of government officials are using. Go to every car park of this ministry, at this, at this country, and you see what I'm talking about. It's not a misstatement at all. But let me come to this, uh, uh, whatever neutrality allowance you're talking about. You see, Samson, public confidence and trust is very important. It's very, very, very important. It's not because somebody complains, your child complains that, oh, daddy, we don't have that, don't have that, and then you give him anything at all. The public servant, the civil servant, is by the constitution enjoined to be neutral in politics. Mm. That is what at, at least the law says. So if by my own choice, I decide to work in the public service, then I am forewarned that I will not take part in such uh, partisan politics. But as to whether that is even the true situation, it's another matter. Mm. Because I am in NDC. I know of many, many government workers who are members of my party. Okay. Let me, let me pick very brief comments from um, the TUC and also the Fair Wages Commission on this very briefly so that we go uh, for a break <clears throat> and return to the politics <laughs> of... Um, election victories. And I start with uh, uh, Dr. Otu on the question, that there's, a, there's a, a statement from one of our listeners or viewers who says that, Samson, it is not just the name or letter which is the issue. It is the thought of the spirit of that letter which is absurd. The job is for politically neutral people. If you don't want to be neutral, simply leave. Don't ask to be paid to be neutral. It's insane. What do you say? You gave me a, a brief comment, but I have a lot to say on this. And the whole discussion tells me that the entire public setup pay regime ought to be overhauled. <laughs> if you go by a little bit into history, Senga's pie was installed to avoid negotiating in silos so that there's full disclosure and there's full transparency. The consultants that worked on the single spine before it was installed counted over 70 allowances in the public sector. And the conclusion was that those allowances make the emolument in the public sector non-transparent and non-fair. 
so we should avoid. Now we are back to a situation where we now have those multiplicity of allowances. And for many public sector workers, that allowance you are taking is not counted when you are being paid a pension. And you should always bring our mind back to the fact that the low pay we are receiving in the public sector will eventually reflect in the low pensions that we receive. The minimum pension in Ghana today is 300 Ghana cities. For a pensioner who probably has higher health bill and many other expenditures. And significant number of Ghanaian workers or pensioners actually receive that 300 Ghana cities. And to let you know, the highest pension in the country is also 142,500. So the inequities you pay, it then reflects in inequities in pension. Something. So the closer letter quoted that government has agreed to pay neutrality allowance. That letter couldn't have been different from what was in the MOU that was signed. Okay. I'm from labor. I mean, if something is taken away from you, you can't engage in politics. Your human rights has been suspended for one reason or the other. You guys go to court, human rights court, you get compensated. But when we went to the labor conference, one of the things we wanted to avoid is to deal with labor issues in silence. Because as the deputy minister stated, you solve one problem and then you create another problem. It's important that those whose rights have been suspended and who are being compensated with a neutrality allowance, we make it comprehensive. And here I have a list. The Electoral Commission, they are not supposed to do politics. Our members are there. They ought to be compensated with neutrality allowance. The National Media Commission, the National uh, Commission for Civic Education, if I have about 13, 36 or such institutions in the public sector that are not members of PLUSA, that are members in the interest of fairness, this neutrality allowance ought to apply to them. And we will make sure that it applies to them. Mm. That one, you can take my word for it. It is okay. very important. Okay. Um, hello, uh, Benata. Yeah, if we can get your, your view uh, from the Fair Wages uh, Salaries Commission, just a minute on this as well. Um, obviously, this is set to further distort the system, isn't it? Thank you very much once again. My first comment is an appeal to organize labor, especially the civil and local government service uh, workers association, to come back to work they are very integral part of government machinery, both at the local level and at the central level. As government continues to engage, uh, I associate myself with what the Honorable Dr. Don Kuma has said, and he had put the correct details in public, which is the right thing. It might be a question of nomenclature, but obviously from whence we have come, it is needful that you also don't stifle, especially uh, the lowest paid on our pay structure. Uh, government does not take delight in making anybody worse off. And I must state that it is not in fair wages interest or not in government's interest that you pay so low to the extent that productivity is also affected adversely. But what I will say for now is that 
government continues to engage uh, closer on this matter and that they should call off the strike for us to continue to engage. There is one uh, are, there, are there not are there not people in labor that you have already approved this kind of allowance for? Is it no, fair no. to deny Closac this? Uh, Closac is not being denied what is due them, not at all. That is why I'm saying that government continues to engage, and that is the way forward. In fact, prior to the strike action, we have been engaging them, but uh, unfortunately for all of us, uh, they carry through the intention. What is okay. important mm. at this point um, is that we need to continue to engage and to engage, and that is a way forward. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Kweku and Kibuyasiaku says, government should allow civil servants to participate in partisan politics. What it would mean is that governments will also be free to hire and fire civil servants as they wish and as they deem fit for their programs and policies. Guess who will be more at risk? Your guess is as good as mine. Um, then Ebenezer Quenu says that there are a, a section of um, uh, labor who are giving allowances for their forbearance from engaging in active partisan politics. The only service not enjoying these allowances are civil service and local government staff. It is also important to state that all the services uh, that enjoy uh, these are on different salary structure and are not on the single spine salary structure. We are just demanding for what is rightfully ours. The name of the allowance means nothing. It's just a form over substance argument that we are engaging in. Um, interesting. I return to read some of the messages on this particular subject to you before we uh, check the credibility of the EIU report that puts the NDC in a good place to win the 2024 uh, general elections. And then it has something also to say about um, Dr. Baumier's place and Alan Chermantin's place if elections, uh, the MPP wants to win elections. We'll be right back. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 